It's your Thursday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to be back for another day and a fun show coming up. Um, Jeff Day from the Star Tribune will join me in just a few minutes. We are going to do a draft of sorts. You might remember that was like last month. I think we did a draft of the ten greatest and ten um, worst trades in uh, Minnesota sports history. We are we are back at it again with a draft of the ten best. That's today and ten worst moments in Vikings history. The worst coming tomorrow. Um, both those are really long segments. I thought about doing them as like standalone shows with nothing else, but there's too much going on right now other than that. So I'm going to do a little bit of intro here and a little bit of outro. Um, but I'll, I'll respect your time. It's the internet podcasting space it's essentially infinite right it's limitless i could do i could do a four hour show if i if i really wanted to but would you really sit and listen for four hours or i could do a a four minute show but you probably wouldn't listen to that either i try to make it worth your while try to find the sweet spot somewhere between 30 and 40 minutes uh, sometimes Royce and I go a little bit longer because, uh, we like to talk and it's Monday and we're kind of recapping everything, but, uh, that's kind of the way it goes. But today, um, like I said, we got the, the Vikings, uh, draft, uh, of, of the best and worst. Today's the best, tomorrow the worst. Um, some other Vikings news at the end of the show. First though, what did I miss? You know, I want to take a chance to just kind of frame the last 13 games from the Twins because we kind of set this up like it was not a make or break because they were up in the division, but as kind of this gauntlet that they had to go through that they were going to, if they if they had a stretch that was going to tr- potentially trip them up or tighten the AL Central race, this was it. They had 13 games all of them against either Texas or Cleveland. Texas, you know, a contender all season long in the AL West, certainly a chance to win that division or grab a wild card spot. You know, they're like five or six games above the Twins, even in the standings, even though they're not in first place like the Twins. And then, of course, Cleveland not having a great season, but that's the nearest competitor in the uh, in the AL Central. Could they use those six games to catch up to the Twins? Well, the verdict is in and even though the twins lost the series finale the whole 13 game finale yesterday a 2 to 1 game interrupted uh, in Cleveland by a rain delay um got to say they came through this whole stretch in about as good a shape as you could have imagined they were 5 games up <clears throat> going into this 13 game stretch and really like we said this was a chance that the season could have gone sideways on them they could have gotten really tight if they'd lost you know, a bunch of those games to Texas and maybe lost more than they won against Cleveland. It could be, you know, a two game lead right now instead of a, instead of what it is. Instead, it is a six game lead. Out of this 13 game stretch, they came out one game better in the division lead and they've knocked 13 games off the schedule. Just 22 left, six up with 22 to play. I have to say that's, that's about as good if you could, good as you could have expected, I think. I think there's some people that are, a little disappointed that they couldn't kind of really bury Cleveland with one more win yesterday or one more win at Target Field last week. But overall, you have to like the way they're playing. You have to like generally the way they're pitching. You have to like generally the way they're hitting, even though they didn't get much done yesterday. Um, just they, they came through this stretch, and you, you feel good. They're, they're like a 98% chance now of winning the division not over, of course, ever until it's officially over, but uh, I think we can start kind of 
start stop the gloom and doom i guess stop the 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 intense worrying the everyday checking of the standings the schedule is reasonably soft the rest of the way they've got a home series in a little bit against tampa they've got a road series against cincinnati everybody else is kind of kind of bad or you know mediocre and just having disappointing seasons so you know i i think i think they've kind of come out onto the other side now they can focus on these last three four weeks and really fine-tune for what looks like the postseason and for what looks like a team that potentially is built pretty well for the postseason now we've felt that way before we know they've lost 18 straight playoff games. We're not going to step away from that or back away from that or or shy away from that piece of information. But I feel like they're in good shape right now. And if you're kind of feeling like, ah, they missed some chances on this 13-game on this stretch, especially some disappointments against Cleveland in a couple of those games, just remember, big picture, they gained a game over these last 13 and they knocked 13 games off the schedule. I think those things are important to remember. This team is in really good shape, and we'll see where they go from here. Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. All right. Some uh, some special special event, special podcast time here on Daily Delivery today. I've got Jeff Day with me. Um, Jeff, Jeff, you've been on a lot lately in, for good reason. We've talked volleyball a few times, then you helped... Um, with one of your great ideas, which was best and worst trades in Minnesota sports history. We did that maybe a, a month or so ago. Wanted to have you back on because I think people really enjoyed those episodes and, and because I had a kind of a similar idea, kind of the two sides of the coin as we get into Viking season. So today, Jeff, we're going to do the, the, uh, the, the best moments in Vikings history tomorrow we will do kind of the biggest regrets, the biggest kind of what if moments in uh, in Vikings history. And I'm, I'm looking forward to both. I'm looking forward to kind of hearing your list. We're going to do this draft style, just like last time, where we each pick one and we alternate until we get to 10. I'll give you the first pick in the uh, in in this one in the uh, in the best best moments in Vikings history. I guess I'll take the I'll I'll take the worst moments or the the biggest regrets in Vikings history mm. tomorrow. Um yep. but but first are are you excited for this? Are you looking forward to this? I think it was one of the most fun I've had kind of um just thinking about what it means to do these things because best moments for a franchise like the Vikings is a trick can be a tricky proposition because they have never had a season that ended at its best, you know? So, so you always know that some of your favorite things are tinged a little bit, but you know, as somebody, I have long told anybody who will listen that the greatest sporting event of my entire life was game 163 twins tigers. You know what I mean? Like I do think as fans, if you can't find the joy in, uh, in the little things, you are you are destined to lead a hard life of, of following sports. So there's tons of amazing moments in the Vikings. But the worst, it was like I didn't even need to think about no, it. And we're talking about <laughs> those came to mind a little bit more easily, did oh, they not? Man. Yeah. Well, you, okay. And I'll say this: I think you give me an easy start, and I'll be curious to know what you take it to because yeah. um, 
uh, I think the Minneapolis miracle remains the best moment. It's recent. So, um, yeah. you know, you can say what you will, but I think a lot of people in the moment said they had never really seen anything like that. A walk-off playoff win um, where it just seemed like everything was stacked against the Vikings in that moment. Um, it, I, not knowing that this was coming, I recently went and rewatched the incredible, you know, when Bill Burr was in town calling some Red Sox games yeah. against the Twins, I went and found Bill Burr's, he happened to be recording like his podcast intro. I don't know if you've ever heard this. And so there is a YouTube video of Bill Burr sort of play-by-play watching the Minneapolis miracle about to happen. Oh, wow. Um, I, I, yeah, I haven't seen that, yeah. Oh, you should find it. It's an incredible YouTube video because it is that thing of just disbelief. And um, it was, I, I think it's up there with the most shocking uh, moments in my life, sports, non-sports. It was like a car crash or something. I mean, it just was so, you could not believe what you were seeing in that moment. Um, and I don't know, I, if I ever see anything like that again from a Minnesota sports team, uh, I'll be amazed. Maybe you'd think, so, what would you say would be things like that? Maya Moore's the shot, Kirby Puckett hitting right. the walk-off homer. Right. Um, you know, so we've had a couple in different sports, but for the Vikings, it feels like the biggest um, euphoric moment in franchise history. Yeah. You know, I, when I was, when you were saying that, I was thinking about like you know, game seven, when the Wolves beat Sacramento in yes. 2004, that was a big, that was a big moment, but that ended with Sacramento missing a potential game tying three pointer. And like all of yep. a lot of the wilds, most dramatic playoff overtime wins happened on the road. Um, frankly, like a lot of their game seven, maybe all of their game seven wins have been on the road. So we don't, a lot of these moments that you've seen in in these teams' histories have been away moments. The fact that this happened at U.S. Bank Stadium, the fact that so much was on the line that they'd given up what was, I believe, a twenty to nothing halftime lead the Vikings had yeah. in that game. That they were that that you know that the that the story of that game was to that point going to be the the collapse and how they. Yeah. Had you know had this big lead and then the Saints came back to take a to take a twenty uh, twenty four to twenty three lead I think at that point and then then that happens and you know it's just this last gasp and this kind of whole charmed season and you had the backdrop and we'll probably get into tomorrow um, but you had the backdrop of trying to get to a Super Bowl that was in your home stadium and then that then that 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 play was was part of it it was it was unbelievable I remember for I remember assembling for start to be in website after that, like a compilation video. I got everybody's permission to you, but like a yeah. compilation video of everybody watching and reacting to that play. And I had like, you know, 10 or 15 people just like completely freaking out. They're either at parties, they're in the stadium. And it was, that was a lot of fun too, just to like kind of relive and see people's reactions to the moment because it was, it was just, it was so stunning. You did, you thought that it was just one of these, another one of these moments where they had come up short and instead they author just this stunning play. Yeah, the, and it, it's just, again, in football, it's rare to get the walk-off. You know, I think that yeah. was part of it, too. It's just, you, you're, it's it's not just that they scored and that they yeah. took the, It's that the game is over, and everybody is standing around going, wait, what in God's name just happened? And that disbelief. And also, I do think that because it was the Vikings, because they had such a rich history and still have such a rich history of disappointment, um, that for once on such a big stage, they swung it. It was just such a unforgettable moment. Um, I don't know what it says about the team and the franchise, you know, that 
this kind of, in in my opinion, supersedes even their Super Bowl appearances. You know, it's a tricky thing. It's hard to navigate how you feel about that kind of stuff. But to me, if because it's the I, concept of best, yeah, uh, for some reason it's it's stuck as my number one. So anyway. as a as a moment, I would I would have picked that number one as a moment for sure. And you know, I I was two months old the last time the Vikings made it to a Super Bowl. I, I reckon that you weren't born yet in. You know, late 1976, early 1977. Um, so, if you know, if if we're talking about like why maybe we're not including those, part of it is that there is probably a little recency bias to it. Like we, that is not part of our era. Like we did not grow up with with all of those things. This this is this is a moment that's recent, but I think this will stand the test of time, even as even as time goes on. And even though Diggs, you know, just a few years later ends up getting traded and, you know, things kind of things did not go great to a certain degree from that point forward. That moment, yes. Um, yes, number one for sure. Yeah. I'm gonna say my my first pick, so number two overall, I'm gonna take the Randy Moss game at Lambeau Field in 1998 when, you know, the Vikings were a good team from 92 through 97 they made the playoffs i think all but one of those seasons under dennis green but they were they never were really like dynamic they were never they were they were fun they were they were good you know they'd win nine or ten games they'd win the division then they get smoked in the playoffs usually right away (laughs) except for except in 97 when they won a miracle playoff game which almost made my list but 98 they draft randy moss they're you know they're four and oh i think going into lambeau field on on monday night and they just completely dismantled the packers who had been you know super bowl you know super bowl team not that long ago this was a real kind of balance of power transfer at least temporarily in in the nfc north and just to see what moss did on that stage and you know the the classic line the silence you hear is lambeau field like that that moment to me that game kind of signaled kind of what that whole randy moss especially 98 99 2000 what those years were like to to kind of witness how great he was and how you know just how really good that 98 team was yeah it's funny when you were just talking about that, my mind drifted to like, you know, there are certain athletes that kind of hearken a change of the reality of the position. You know, yeah. the Wolves have been fortunate because I think Kevin Garnett was like, or I mean, the Wolves, the Minnesota sports fans have been fortunate because I think Garnett was like that. I think Moss was like that where you, it was just like, this man is doing it different. It looks different. Yeah. Alan Iverson had some of that where you're just like, he's, he's, doing something to change the way I think about the position or about what can be done in a football field. You know, I, I my number, I had a pick that I'll kind of remove off of this because I didn't know how to quite say it, but I had drafting Randy Moss yeah. as kind of a best moment. Yeah, I think these all kind of play into it, but that thing where you had a player who just could captivate in a such a unique way um, and also do it with arrogance and cockiness on the field. Yes. You know, just yes. like... Come get me. I love athletes like that, especially when they can do it over and over again, um, like he did. But yeah, to have a rookie step out like that and just change the you know the fortune of a franchise that quickly is such a such a one of a kind moment. I I think it's a fair pick. I I think for anybody who, um, you know, let's just say anybody who wasn't sort of cognizant of those Super Bowl appearances, I think Randy Moss is what would you say probably the Viking, right? Oh yeah, up there. yeah. 
Yeah, um, for, I mean, for this, for that, for this modern era, for the last twenty-five or thirty years, I mean, Adrian Peterson, yeah, and I think Justin Jefferson's right. going to get there, but Moss still defines that that era, and you know, he, if people kind of forget, like the Metrodome was not selling out before right. nineteen ninety-eight, they were having a hard time right. filling blackouts. that stadium. Sometimes yeah. there was blackouts. There was, you know, Pillsbury would have to come in and buy six thousand upper deck <laughs> tickets on a Friday so that the day the game could be on TV or whenever they had to to beat the blackout rule. Like that was that was a reality, even though that was a playoff team. Moss yeah. comes in, that all changes. It is the hottest ticket in town. Um Red McCombs is talking about Super Bowls and he's, his franchise mm-hmm. value is skyrocketing and then the rest is history. Um yeah, I think it's a great pick. I I I think Moss has so many indelible moments and that that one was the jumping off point. So um I so I'll be curious what you think about this because I'm with you. My my history of the Vikings is completely tethered to my father, who in you know 1973 he was 13. So he talks about how his foundational you know relationship to football and the Vikings is these Super Bowls, these losses. So and I was recently for the first time ever I went to the Vikings Hall of Fame at yeah. TCO Performance Center. Wait, is that what it's called? Um, yep, sure is. Yeah, and walking through there. I was thinking about how um, hard it is sometimes for franchises to honor legacies that are way in the past. The Viking or the Gopher football team kind of has some of this, where it's like, yeah. we once were the thing. I mean, the Vikings yeah. were the were the first team to reach four Super Bowls in the NFL. You know, they have this. I was watching old NFL films videos of their, you know, these NFL and NFC championship games, you know, conference championships against the Rams. They just own the Rams. I mean, I'm sure the Rams fans hated the Vikings forever. You know, it's like stuff that's outside of my memory. But I do think if we're going to say what's the best, you know, if you want to call it moments or the sort of the high points of the Vikings franchise, if you're thinking about the fact that in eight seasons, they had five years where they had two losses. It's just like, I think it, it... it it it'll bleed into tomorrow's discussion about what means best what means worse and how yeah. do you reckon with this stuff but it's like there's a reason the vikings have the seventh best winning percentage in nfl history you know yes. they have not they have not climbed all the way they haven't won it but i think if you if we don't at least acknowledge that there was a period of time where they they could stake claim to being the best franchise in the nfl um that just came up short time and time again but in all of those years, I, you know, it just, it would seem strange to not have that high on the list, to not recognize this era that is before me, that's before a lot of people now who are fans of the Vikings, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, but for people like my father and for those generations and for writers we have on staff, you know, it's like that, yeah. that is still probably the most identifiable era of the Vikings, more so than anything they've ever done since or any coach. I mean, nobody... I mean, still to this day, I don't know that anybody is is as synonymous with the Vikings as Bud Grant was. Um, you know, we published we published his obituary, and I think it was like it was like a statesman dying. You know, it felt like yeah a, a great piece of the of the state culture. And so, um, anyway, I don't know how you feel about it or what you thought about that era. I- I do, I do. I had that high on my list. I had kind of picked out like one individual thing, and that was their first trip to the Super Bowl. Yeah, yes. Just because that, I think that changed kind of changed the landscape here, and that was that was before the merger. So they technically right. were NFL champions that year. Right. So the, the Packers <laughs> fans claim all of their old, you know, thirties and forties and fifties NFL championships. I, I it it. 
it's a distinction maybe without much of a difference, but yeah. having won the NFL title in, I think, 1969 before going to the Super Bowl that year, losing to, I believe that was the Chiefs that they lost that, was, that year, yeah. and that was the real, you know, the the upset because the AFL, AFC eventually was kind of the upstart. But, but getting there the first time, being NFL champions that year, that one, among that whole dynasty, right, of, you know, four Super Bowl appearances in eight years, the first team, like you said, to, to make it yeah. to four Super Bowls, even if they didn't win one, that was a dynasty. Even if they didn't win a Super Bowl, that was a that was a dynasty. That team was so good. You have to consider them like that. I, you know, working for Sid for all those years, the amount of times that we would go back and, you know, he would he would want to go back into our archives and kind of get reminded of just the details, the little small details of those Super Bowl losses and how it just, you know, none of them were particularly close. It wasn't like they ever really no. felt like in control um, of those games. But it was also this feeling of, man, it's it it almost feels uh, it's I'm sure it's a level of disbelief that you just get there four times and you can't quite pull it out. And then as a franchise, you just have never been back. And um, and I. <laughs> Yeah, it's why tomorrow is going to be great because I love <laughs> that that first Super Bowl has one of my favorite things I ever learned about was through Sid and it had to do with that first Super Bowl. We'll get to it tomorrow, but um, Oh, okay. I'm looking forward okay. to that. I I so I got to make an actual pick cuz that's not yes. uh, that that's not my pick. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I'm I'm going to I got I'm going to stay, you know, maybe this is like the the Minnesota Wisconsin rivalry bias, but I got to say the the Favre game at oh. Lambeau in, in 2009 when, again, you know, a great season for the Vikings, just like 98. Um, and again, we will probably revisit 2009 on tomorrow's yeah. show. But that game itself, when it's Favre against Aaron Rodgers, Favre is still, you know, he's the veteran, he's old, but he's still at the peak of his abilities. And they go in and they win that game. They sweep the Packers yeah. that season, like that moment when they go back there. And I've talked to, um, I did a whole big whole oral history on the arrival of Brett Favre. That was like maybe 2019 that I did that. It was not a podcast, but it was a it was a written thing. It was a long online piece, and I talked to Ryan Longwell extensively about that and how they're just out there at Lambeau Field and they're just getting booed and they're just soaking it all in. And they're just like, man, what what's it like to be booed by every like 65,000 people are just booing them at midfield for the coin flip. And they're just like, well, let's go, let's go do this. And it's, you know, cause both of them obviously ex Packers, but uh, maybe lustily booing Favre a little bit louder that year, that, that game, that, that whole season, but that game in particular stands out to me as, as a great moment of Vikings history. It's probably the, the, the most, um, in, incredible player uh, transaction, meaning like, oh gosh, yeah, you know, I just I don't even know what in sports would compare to it. Maybe when Wade Boggs went to the Yankees and was riding that horse around after winning the World Series. <laughs> oh my gosh, all, I kind of forgot about that. Yeah, <laughs> all the Red Sox fans were pissed about it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just that I can remember that oral history. Didn't we do that incredible? Like uh, we had an illustrator. Yes, do, it was great. Oh, that yeah. was so cool. I love that piece. Um, 2009, actually, um, well, we'll see if, if you pick it, but um, I I think 2009 was one of the most memorable. To me, It's it borders on the 98 season yeah. for um, just moments where you couldn't believe that, that the Vikings were having these things happen. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, okay, well, so where are we at? This, that was number... That was four. That was my fourth. Four. That was my second pick, fourth overall. Yeah. So you're fifth overall now. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with the... Uh, this will touch on the Packers again. <laughs> <laughs> Three of the top five picks. I oh love my it. God. 
Well, I the Adrian Peterson MVP season. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think it's very vivid to me because that season not only was it Peters, it was you know how rare is it for a running back to win MVP? A and that it came down to that final game. Right. At, were we still at the Dome? Where are we at? Yeah, we were still yes, at the Dome. Yes, yeah, 2012. And, that was their yeah. second to last year in the Dome for the Vikings, I believe. And Packers were the were, were week 17. And yes. it had to win to get in. Um, yes. And P- Peterson ran for 199 yards. He was just like chewing uh, on that final drive. I can just, I can remember yeah. exactly what was standing. I was up in Duluth watching it. And, um, you know, I think that Peterson... Um, for a time there, you know, his legacy here is so kind of interesting because of how it ended in him departing when he did. And, um, you know, but I think for a while there, fans really identified with Adrian Peterson. There's something about his sort of workhorse nature. And that was the year where I'll never forget it. He had had the ACL right in 2011. Yeah. And he came back after like nine or 10 months. Yes. That was the thing they were talking about how in training camp, him and Percy Harvin were doing these insane running drills up hills with sleds on their backs or God knows what was going on. Yeah. It was this feeling that, wow, this guy is doing something that medically seems impossible. He's coming back so soon. And that was the aura that Peterson had for me as a fan, a physical marvel, something that you just hadn't seen on the football field, his ability to break tackles, to absorb contact, to be both power and speed. Um, And, that season and that game in particular um, felt like the culmination of everything anybody ever wanted from him. And maybe the last, you know, as we're seeing now, it might go down as one of the last great running back seasons of all time. You know, I don't know how well, many he's, running. He's yeah. the last, he's the last running back to win MVP. I think the last one of the last non quarterbacks to win MVP. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I just remember thinking that um, he, that game in particular, now that of yeah. course what happens right after, you know, whatever, but <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Again, yeah. Again with the Vikings. That, yeah. Yeah. They needed that and and he did it. So anyway, I loved I loved that I, game. I was I was watching that game with friends, not in the stadium. I was I was at a, I was at Liquor Lyles, which was used oh, to man. be one of my absolute favorite dive bars in Minneapolis. This is before I had kids when, you know, things were I think it was a bunch of like a bunch of people that I bunch of internet friends as I called them, a bunch of people that I knew from the blog and stuff like that. It was people who'd become friends in real life and we watched that game together. And it was just a great like the bar was just completely oh alive that that for that game and just Peterson was brilliant. The thing I also remember about that season though is like the first half of that season, like Percy Harvin was the MVP. Not a, not yeah. Peterson. Harvin was so good for the first half of that season. And I think he got hurt somewhere in there. So he he cooled off. Something happened where all of a sudden it was the Adrian Peterson show and he was unbelievable for the last eight games of that season. Well, when did Harvin start having the really serious uh, migraines? Remember that? That it was yeah. it, like so debilitating. I just remember that. But I can't remember if that what started that season or when that was. But yeah, there was that there was that moment where kind of like uh, we talked and during that trade podcast about when Liriano joined forces with Santana. There was kind of yeah. that thing with Harvin and Peterson where you're like, holy cow, like this guy might be stronger, tougher, more dynamic because they were doing things with Percy that were so different, you know, kind of wild caddy or whatever you want to say, almost more uh, college offense based, just moving him around, running back, wide receiver. Right. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, who Peterson, knew Peterson, Peterson ran for fifteen hundred and ninety eight yards in the last 10 games of that season. <laughs> so he had like five hundred in the first six, which is no nothing to slouch at. But he had 15, almost 1,600 in the final 10 that year. 
160 well, per game in the yeah. final 10. Yeah. And it, it was one, it was another one of those seasons where they had to kind of win every single game going down the stretch. And it was, yeah, like, they won their last four. And yeah. Christian Ponder was the quarterback. Christian Ponder got to the playoffs. Well, he didn't play in the playoffs. That's a story for another time. But yeah, who started? Joe Webb. Yeah, Joe Webb. That's Joe right, Webb was their man. playoff quarterback okay. that year. <laughs> Joe Webb was their 2012 playoff quarterback starter. Yeah. There's, anyway. There's a lot of yeah. Um, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go number six. I'm going to go very, very recent here because I, I don't think we want to overlook last season. They had the greatest comeback. In NFL history, down thirty-three nothing to the Colts at halftime, and I I did like a an emergency bonus podcast. Emer- emergency in quotes. There was no real emergency, <laughs> um, you know. But a, a very quick post um, post uh, uh, game podcast, and I talked about how like <clears throat> I was I was at home for that one too, and I was home with my kids. My wife had something else to do that day. And I told my kids that we were going to like go do something fun after the game. It's like, I got to watch the game, but we can go do something, you know, fun at three o'clock when the game's over. And then it's 33 nothing at halftime. I'm like, okay, guys, it's 1 30. We can actually leave early today. We don't have to watch the rest of this. So I take him to like this, <laughs> take him to like this, this, uh, fish and reptile store that they've been begging me to go to and so we go there and they actually have the game on there this is the weirdest thing like there's a tv in the fish and reptile store and we get there and it's like 33 to 14 i'm like huh okay 33 14 like late third quarter i'm like okay they're at least making this a little bit of a fight and then like by the time we leave the store they're like one score away from winning so i'm like watching on my phone we're like doing all this other stuff and they win in uh in overtime i guess it was eventually that they won and i still can't believe they won that game what what a symbol of that season they could be so bad for a half and then just turn it on for you know two and a half quarters and and win a game they had no business trailing by 33 and then no business losing or i mean winning right i mean the 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 nfl has got has certainly gotten stranger i think in this regard that that um, you know, it kind of goes back to what was it, Patriots Falcons, where there was like the second half yeah. in the Super Bowl, where it's just like there's no way. But then you start looking at it and you go, well, all you need is you know three, right. three touchdowns and three extra and three two point conversions, and hey, we can make this happen. I mean, the thing with uh, last year with the Vikings was um, you never quite knew how deep to get in with them. But then game by game, I mean, yes. I can remember I was working the desk on a couple of these. I was working the desk that night doing what you know web editing. Yeah. I would be sitting there, you know, you're kind of one of the things you do with not to get too in the weeds of our jobs, but it's like you're trying to get photographs and headlines. Yep. Ready so the second that a reporter files, you can get yep. it up so that people can read it and that, and the, you know, yep. people comment and fans can do this stuff. Well, when a game is swirling like that. Oh, yeah. You're sitting there and it's, you know, they did this a couple of times last year where you're just like, I don't you're 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 rethinking the direction the story is going to take five, yeah. six times over over the course of um you know 15 20 minutes um but i don't know i mean when you talk about the biggest comeback in nfl history it's just such a strange thing because there was a there was a period in about the early in the fourth quarter where it started to not seem preposterous you know what i yeah, mean that exactly it, it actually felt like it was sort of uh, and they, know, i feel like yeah. they had they had like something that went went against them too like a call or something went against them it looked like it wasn't going to happen and then all of a sudden right. They get like one other thing, and then they they end up they end up tying it up. I can't remember exactly what the scenario was, but something happened in there where it was like, oh man, they kind of got hosed. Like, and they... <laughs> well, and I also remember thinking there was a lot of conversation going on in the staff about are they going to tie this game? I mean, yes, what do you right. do with that? The greatest right. 
back tie in NFL history right. just doesn't have quite the same ring to it. So the fact that they were able to get that final drive together yes. and kick the game-winning field goal, and then we get the, um, you know, just the euphoria of it all. There also was, though, that thing of because the overtime was so long, yeah. you know, I think score until the final minute. Somewhere. I think you're right. Yeah. 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 I remember that it had a little bit of an anti-climax to it where yeah. you're like, which is a strange thing to say about the greatest comeback in NFL history. But yeah, it's like, come um, on, guys, come on. Now, now, I'm not trying to steal your thunder because I don't have this on my list, but I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Did you think that was a better game than the Bills game last year? No, no. The Bills game was a much better game. I just I had to think of it like moments. I'm like, wow, like if the, if something kind of symbolize, I think both of those games symbolize what 2022 is about. And the, that Bills game was utterly ridiculous. Just the fact that it went back and forth, the catch by Jefferson, and then the fumble in the end zone that they recovered, but then the Bills tie it up still. I mean, that was, that was definitely a better game, a more interesting game. But in terms of like maybe a pure moment, like the greatest comeback in NFL history, I had to put that one as the moment, but that whole year was just full of games like that. They, they go to London and they, they win because a tying field goal hits the crossbar and the upright, right? Like they, yeah, they like they had so many like so many wins just just barely eleven and zero in one score games in the regular season. Always a caveat there for twenty twenty two, but uh, but yeah, I would I would kind of include that whole year as that that was kind of symbolic of the whole year. What do you uh, what do you got at number seven? Okay, so uh, I'm gonna go to two thousand nine um, again. Okay. Um, because there was a game in there that to me was oh yeah I, I know I know where you're going with this I think I don't know if you know where I'm going we'll oh, see okay okay. I could be completely. This is a playoff game. Um, oh, okay. The Cowboys. The Cowboys were coming to town, and it was this thing of the Vikings had started super hot, if you will yep. recall. Yep. And then they had kind of had this stumbly end to their regular season. I do remember that, yeah, because they were ten yeah. and one at one point. Exactly. Yeah, I think I can't remember what the exact. Yeah, so if they were ten and one, they finished, finished twelve and four. So, and four. Yeah. Twelve and yeah, four. Yeah. So okay, yeah. And the Cowboys are coming to town. I remember that feeling of like, wow, the Vikings are. Um, this is a trap game. There was so yep. much energy around Dallas is red hot. You've got Tony Romo coming in. All of the feelings that you're having about, is this Vikings team not going to quite make it? And they just wiped the floor. They did, the yeah. Point. It was, you know, and again, you speak about kind of moments as a fan where uh, not just as a reporter, you know, I, I split both rounds. I've never covered the Vikings, so I feel sure. perfectly comfortable talking about sure. this. From Absolutely. Um, and, it was just so thrilling to sit down and go, oh, my gosh, the cow, the, the Vikings are rolling the Cowboys on national television. They're doing everything we thought they could do at their very best. Um, and it just was uh, it was one of the most enjoyable sporting experiences as as, as a fan of this team for me in my lifetime, because um, I, I think there was a part of me that felt like this is slipping away. Remember when they lost that game at Chicago? Oh and- yeah. I was, uh, yes. <laughs> that was, that was the game that I chose to watch with Lavelle at Allery's. It was oh like, my a, God. it was a Sunday night or a Monday night game. I can't remember which. And it was just, night game. I know it was Monday. It was night definitely. Night. An, I think it was a Monday night game. So we watched, I watched the game with noted bears fan, Lavelle, Enil the third at Allery's. And that just turned out to be a huge mistake. Uh, Allery's, you know, just an iconic, uh, just an iconic place. And yes. I've never, I've only been, I've never lived in, uh, St. Paul after, you know, when I was of age, yeah. but I went over there a few times cause I had just heard the legacy of the place. Sure. And, um, 
it never really disappointed. It had a, it had an air to it. Yes, yes. Salaries was uh, is quite a quite a place. I think it was the only that might be the only time I might have been there one other time. I might, that was the that was the time I remember, and it was uh, it was not uh, not a great. It sounds like I watch all the games in bars. By the way, this is like I have I do not watch right. all the games in bars. I'm just a lot of the memorable moments though. I have I, I do remember like kind well, of from because, that era. It's because when do you go to a bar or something like that? It's when it's a huge. You know, yeah, you that's want true. Right, that's true. Space. It's a that's big moment. So, that's yeah. true. Okay, what do you okay. got? That's a good. I thought you were going to pick the Greg Lewis uh, catch. Oh, so I, I totally. So that's a, yeah, mm. I totally okay. missed on that. But that whole season, it just kind of underscores how that whole season was just one for the ages. Now I'm going to take you okay. back a little bit for my eighth overall pick. Um, getting towards the end here, the 19, 1987 playoff run. Okay, yes. Where they have the it's the strike year. Their replacement players go 0 and 3, so they finish the year 8 and 7. Nobody is expecting much, although they're kind of deceptive because really, you know, this is an 8 and 4 team that just barely got into the playoffs because, you know, because their their replacement players were rotten, but they still kind of backed in at the end. They had a pretty good team. They had some talent offensively and defensively. Then they go and just absolutely hammer the Saints in the first round. And then they go to San Francisco and do the same thing. And like Anthony Carter had like 225 yes. yards receiving in that game. And just the I've I've written and talked about this before, but the the unexpected playoff runs, which are few and far between here, but I'd count like the 2003 Wild, um, you know, among those among those here. Like when a team has unexpected success. That is the best kind of success. And that 87 playoff run, even though I don't remember it super well, it was kind of like right when I was maybe starting to watch the Vikings. I was probably 10 or 11. Like yeah. that that team, um, that that run uh, certainly resonates with me. Do you think that um, th- this kind of goes back to the Super Bowl thing? How does expectation flavor results? You know what I mean? Oh, like, it totally does. Absolutely I does. I about this all the time with sports. Like why is it that <laughs> certain... It's like the lesser the expectation, the more dramatic the feeling is. Whereas when a team is great, there's a there's a feeling of well, what are they going to do with this? The Twins have suffered from this oh, for yeah. years, you know. Um, yeah. So when you talk about this, I'm like, you know, it's just crazy because I think people would probably agree with you that those seasons where something surprising happens that you're not expecting, yeah, uh, somehow shine brighter than even a season where maybe you reach a Super Bowl or, you know, go yeah. 12 or 15 and one or whatever, you know, it's just a tricky, a tricky thing. And I think people kind of felt that way somewhat last year. And they were just like along for the ride of a 13 and four season that seemed utterly improbable, like based on previous years, based on how all these games were going. And I don't even feel like teams, I don't even, I don't even feel like fans were all that deflated, even when they lost to the Giants. Like, I think it was disappointing. I think the way it ended with the, you know, throwing short of the sticks and how the game went yeah. was certainly disappointing. But I don't think people look at that season as like a golden, like missed opportunity. I think there's like, how did they go 13 and four? Wow, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. And also just the fact that because of the stuff that we talked about earlier, it's like, that's why, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to how our staff handles going into this season and how we're going to write yeah. about this because. I don't know where your expectations sit with with this Vikings team, but there's a part of me that it, it, I don't know. It's like I do expect them to win their division as much as people are talking about the Lions. I still think, for some reason, I don't. I, I there's just something about the season they had last year that you yeah. feel like they should be able to build off of it. And and their defense was actually so not so bad. Great. 
So yeah. bad. So, so bad. Um, anyway, um, that'll be for you to talk about with other yeah. people. Um, okay. okay. Number nine, my, your last pick. Yeah, what do you got? Final pick. This is going to be a – this is kind of – much like the Peterson season, this was one that um, I went back and I was watching – like I said, I was watching these NFL film videos, which are just the greatest thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know. You know, what's the show? Hard Knocks is kind of – but yeah. that is so – it lacks the the drama, the feeling of desperation. You know, the, yeah. you're talking about back in the day when Super Bowl tickets were $12, and yet right. I'm watching like I'm getting ready to, you know, storm the beaches or something. It's just so much <laughs> – right. Much pageantry and drums, you know, just getting ready. But anyway, uh, I think Fran Tarkington, uh, the 75 Viking season is inter- is probably to me one of the most interesting Viking seasons. Oh, yeah. It's a game that is, it will be very high tomorrow. Um, oh, yes. And an ending that comes from that. But Tarkington comes back um, in 72 or 73. Anyway, yep. they go to two Super Bowls with him. Yep. And then they go 12 and two, and he wins the MVP. Yeah, and it's a you just like they're coming off of again. It's like this era where they're the most dominant team, and Tarkington is sort of staking his claim as the best player in the NFL. Um, you know, and in in an era where they you know come to define define the sport, and I just think that again it goes back to this thing of the great the great things about the Vikings um, are often conceptual because right, some right. Of that yes you know the purple people leaders we didn't i don't know i mean we're not going to quite get to that but it's like the things that make the vikings the vikings have to be overview they have to come from thirty thousand feet sometimes yeah. because when you're down in the dirt you're like well he did lose those three Super yeah Bowl. right yeah the moments but, themselves are hard sometimes but yeah. and the seasons i mean you're yeah. just talking about you know losing whatever 10 some odd games over the course of four years with him and and what it meant to be that good for this and like I said, a lot of this stuff is tethered to my relationship with my dad, but it's like Fran Tarkington was an idol a, as as much as a Justin Jefferson or a Randy Moss or anybody that has ever come from this organization. Um, and so I was just thinking about that 1975 season and like how exciting that kind of player was for the people who loved the Vikings at that time. And so I can't quite tap into it, but I do know that it's it has to be considered uh, up there with because of his importance with the yeah. team, because of what they had done and where they were going. Um, you know, to me, it just is a high point for the, for the franchise. Well, I'm glad you brought it back to that era because I, I think, you know, it, it's easy to overlook that because it was so long ago because it wasn't part of our lifespan because it did end in disappointment ultimately <laughs> so many times, but yeah, it just, just the fact that they went to, that they were that good that they had so many Hall of Famers come from those teams that yeah. they went to, you know, they playoffs were a routine expectation that they won a lot of weird close games back then too. Like the, I, they used to call Bud Grant Horseshoe Harry. I don't know if that was Roycey or somebody <laughs> else, but that's what they called. They like they were like this. They have something within them that that gives them this great ability to win uh, these these amazing games. And I'm glad yeah. you're doing justice to that era. Um, all right, my last pick. Um, it wouldn't be complete if I didn't bring us back to Lambeau Field one more time yes. for the 2004 playoffs, the wild card round. The Vikings stumble into the playoffs at 8-8, eight and eight, despite one of the greatest seasons a quarterback has ever had. Dante Culpepper that year was unbelievable. I think he threw for 4,700 yards. He oh. had like... 
39 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. This is like before before everybody was putting up video game numbers. Like he was putting up ridiculous numbers. He probably ran for another 500 yards that year and, and more rushing touchdowns. Like he had an amazing season. Second in MVP, if I yes. recall correctly, to, to yes. Peyton Manning. Yeah. Yes, the defense yeah. was rotten. A lot of things about that team were not good, but they they get into the playoffs. They've got to go to Lambeau. It's Brett Favre, and they totally just waxed them. I think the final is 31-17. You've got the Randy Moss moon, the fake yes. moon in the end zone after the touchdown. And just like, again, it was probably the unexpectedness of it because that Vikings team had been so inconsistent all year. You're thinking, okay, now they're going to go play, play the Packers in the playoffs for the first time. That's the first time they'd ever played the Packers in the playoffs. That's they right. go and they go and win that game. And um it was a moment where Vikings fans had had the bragging rights, at least for a while, even in the even in the era of a lot of tumultuousness. Cause that was that was their only playoff appearance between I'm just gonna count it up between 2001 and 2007. There's a seven year span where that was the only year they made the playoffs. And uh that was that they had they had to make that one count. Did where do you put straight cash, homie? In the oh, that's great. I mean, yeah, straight cash, homie. I mean, sports quotes. It's hard to uh, yeah. He's he was the best. I don't write checks. Straight cash, homie. I mean, just <laughs> Ra- yeah, Randy Moss. Like being out there to cover some of that era. Um, even though it's probably a little bit of the later Randy Moss era. He was a, a singular a singular personality. He was just such a such a such a character in the in all those uh, in all those years. And I love how him and Garnett have both become sort of these welcomed voices of oh, yeah. perspective, you know, in their retirement from the game. It's like these two guys who at times could be viewed as being, you know, very emotional and emotive and all of this stuff. It's like, well, it translates pretty well, you know, when yeah. they're when they're in these other roles. But, Garnett's yeah. Garnett's fantastic as a podcaster. He's great. Did you uh wasn't that game? I'm if I can remember everything about that game, it was frigid cold. Yeah. Uh, and all the receivers had their hair out. You remember yeah. it was like yep. afros and just like the yep. again. Where is the personality in sports? You know, it's it's, like, it's not it's, the same. It's it's not the same. <laughs> it's it's all buttoned up and controlled, and it's just I miss some of that spontaneity, and that's why we ha- when we do have those moments now where even if it seems slightly manufactured, you know, like when you get Kirk Cousins with the chains on the airplane last year, like yeah. that's, you, it's, yeah. it's fun, even if it's like become this bit and you can kind of tell like someone on the social team is like, Oh, you should post this. It's <laughs> like, you know, it's like, it, it still is fun. That you will. That's the thing about, about branding and uh, all kinds of, you know, trying to manage personalities or build up kind of, social cloud it's like you will never top authenticity no. and randy moss it's what made him both beloved and sort of you had to throw your hands up at times because it's yeah. like he'll give you the best but that might not be all that he gives you you know yeah. So, yeah. yeah anyway i think that's a great ending and also wow just that's true viking stuff right there where yes. i think half of our picks are wins over the packers like uh, there's like four of them at least yeah or it's like four of them were packers moments yeah it was right and it you was... know packers fans would be like None of our best moments. They don't against care. The no, it's like it's all the Super Bowls and all the other stuff. It's yeah. like go ahead, you can have those. It's fine. Yeah, no, it's, yeah enjoy them. Well, I hope uh, you guys liked our our top ten list. We'll be back again tomorrow with kind of a a flip side of that coin. The uh, the moments that maybe didn't go so great in Vikings history, but that might be a greater catharsis than anything else we could do. So that will be how we lead into this 2023 Viking season. I'm excited.
I hope you had as much fun with that as Jeff Day and I did, and we'll have some more fun tomorrow. And it's kind of kind of a weird thing that so many of those games ended up being against the Packers. And it, it kind of strikes me that we're in a new era now, again, of the Vikings-Packers rivalry, right? You had the, the the Brett Favre era, and then, of course, Favre joining the Vikings and creating you know some of those memories we just talked about. Um, you know, we had the Aaron Rodgers era and so many things happened there. Now it's the Jordan Love era in Green Bay. Vikings, you know, going through a bit of a transition, but a lot of their core players still intact. What will this era of the Vikings Packers rivalry look like? Will it be a little bit of a lull as we kind of figure out what each team has, what direction each team is going, or will it just pick up full throttle again if both teams are contending? I think there's an outside chance that this division could come down to the Vikings and the Packers this season. I think the I think the Packers could be a little bit better than people are giving them credit for. I think the Vikings are going to certainly regress from their 13 and 4 record and, you know, if the defense doesn't come around, if some of their offensive line has struggles with depth and interior protection, this could be the kind of thing where we're looking at Vikings and Packers race to nine or race to 10 wins at the end of the year to see who wins the NFC North. I'm not sure it's going to happen right away this year, but I do feel like this has a chance to sustain this rivalry, to be right back where it was for a long time. And we will see about that. Final thing in the cooler, Josh Metellus, man, he is really rising in the Vikings esteem, gets a two-year contract extension that's agreed to uh, just this morning. Uh, uh, terms of that, you know, he's got six million guaranteed, could be worth up to thirteen million. Just a really versatile player. Brian Flores really raving about him. He's one of the captains this year. Just kind of a cool story of a guy who he was a late round draft pick and has played his way into a much bigger role in the team. And he is going to be one of the keys, I think, on this year's defense because there is not a lot of depth or experience in the secondary. They're counting on guys like Josh Metellus. You know, guys that they trust to make another leap forward. And he is a candidate to do that. And they obviously believe in him this season. That will do it for today. Like I said, the worst moments coming up tomorrow. Kind of get your mentalist ready, gird yourself against. Um, some of these memories maybe it'll be a catharsis i hope it is Um, but in any event it's going to run tomorrow whether you are ready for it or not and like i said that'll do it for today back at it again tomorrow